Today I'm sitting with my friend Jacob, and we were discussing intonation earlier, and we decided we should be recording this, because intonation is a big deal to me. It's one of those things that I consider to be the extra in everything, the extra communication, the extra understanding, the extra relating. Whenever I explain it to people, most people understand what I'm saying, but not everybody's like, oh yeah, I I talk about this, I think about this, and so... It's a fun subject. Anyway, Jacob. (laughs) I'm excited to talk about this subject, too. Fascinated me. Like you say, people recognize it immediately, but probably aren't aware of it in a way that's applicable, I guess would be the way I'd think about it. So, curious to see where this goes. Well, how I usually start by explaining intonation is I take the word hello and I say, you know how whatever mood you're in will dictate how your hello sounds? Mm -hmm. The best way to really show it is to say hello in an excited intonation, like, hello! You know, there's no mistaking what somebody means when they say it that way. When you call a friend and they answer the phone and they're like, hello, you absolutely know what mood they're in. Correct, yeah. And so intonation is the unspoken part of communication that communicates as much or more than the words that you're using. I think it's pretty important stuff. Two people in a relationship could be thinking they're communicating, assuming they're understanding what the other one is saying, and if one of them is unaware of their intonation, the other person is hearing all kinds of things that aren't being said. Therein lies another reason. The intonation is important, but also awareness of it. I'm listening to you speak, and I'm thinking the way you should possibly start this conversation is just simply say... You can tell the difference between when someone says hello or hello and the communication in there is vastly important and people don't understand why. I think because immediately we all can think of the time when we did that on purpose. We were trying really hard to communicate something, whether it was being excited or whether it was being really annoyed. Nothing in what we said was wrong. Everything in what we were communicating was wrong or right. And I think what happens is we pick up what we feel and we communicate how we feel probably through that concept of intonation. So I like that. I think it's a fascinating thing. So tell me, I'm actually very interested. How would you describe to somebody the fundamental principles of intonation? What what does it mean? How do you frame it for someone to say, I want to consider this with you? I learned this in high school psychology. Intonation kind of has three stages where people either talk up, talk down, or talk in respect. If you imagine my two hands facing one another, if my hands are level and my fingertips are pointing toward one another, that would be a level at which you could call respect. Hmm. Now, if if I take my right hand and I point it down toward the other and my fingertips are pointing downward, that is the visual for talking down to somebody. If I take that same hand and I point my fingertips up toward that level hand, that is talking up to someone. Now, I have found that height can dictate intonation, and so that kind of helps me in the explanation. Because I'm tall, people tend to talk up to me. And because I'm tall and because I see respect intonation as very important, I ignore it. The key about intonation is... Whether somebody's talking up to you or down to you, 
if you stay in respect, you can pull them to respect. And it's there that actual quality communication happens. Some people tend to talk down to everyone or more commonly talk down. And depending on who they're talking to, somebody can come in and be like, oh, no, you didn't and talk down to them as well. And so both hands in this instance would be pointing downwards with two people talking down to one another and nothing good is going to happen there. Both people are probably going to be offended by anything that gets said. Going back to what I said in the beginning, this is basic psychology. Respect intonation begets respect intonation. I would say 95% of the time because, you know, it's not always going to work. You can't have quality communication with everyone in the world. It's just impossible. But if you come in at respect intonation, you can in a way disarm the other person by making them feel comfortable. And that's what all of this boils down to for me. I want people to be comfortable when talking to me. I want to feel comfortable when talking to other people. And it's kind of like respect intonation is that magic key for everybody being able to communicate in a comfortable way where quality communication also happens. And then there's a bunch of side benefits like um, self-respect, confidence, but that's almost changing the subject. So let me pause so that you can say whatever you want. (laughs) Well, I'm actually thinking, thought a lot lately about how children learn language, children learn pretty much everything, not by interacting, but by simply observing. And I think it's a very observable thing to see intonation. So I'm imagining a parent talking to their newborn child in that gaga goo goo Mm. way. And I'm actually imagining that is speaking up to them a little bit like, oh, da, 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 oh, 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 oh. And, uh, And I think if you were able to think about the impact it would have on a child's life to observe what you said, gaining that respect or find that even playing field right off the bat from even the way you spoke before the child was born to how you speak right as they're born, as you speak, as they go one, two, three, fifteen, twenty. And it's the same level of respect, whether you are a one-year-old or a 20-year-old. I think that will probably have a really profound impact on the way a child views the world, a child interacts, the way the child feels comfortable. Also, knows when someone's going to take advantage of them or if they're in a position of danger. So I think there's a lot of implications you could probably explore. The other thought I was having as you were speaking is interpersonal relationship, life partners, or however you want to call it, someone who's married. If there is an intonation of disrespect coming from either party, that's going to create a dissonance or an uncomfortable response. It probably is the trigger Given all these ways you grew up, hearing these different intonations, learning what those intonations meant, how that kind of had implications for if you were being a naughty or a good child or some other scenario, then your spouse or your significant other starts taking that kind of intonation with you. I'm imagining that as almost an immediate trigger for kind of a habitual fight that you can probably get into really easily. So Mm -hmm. where you want to connect, where you want to speak, where you want to really feel that bond It's going to get broken if one person's always apologizing, going, I'm so sorry. It's all my fault. It's all my fault. Everything's my fault. The other one's, quit talking to me like it's all your fault. I hate it when you say that kind of thing. And you have this imbalance, even though they're both trying to communicate the same idea that I'm sorry and I'm so sick of you saying sorry, to be able to feel and change that intonation and be aware of it and say, let's get onto that even playing field. I'm imagining would have pretty profound effects on 
conflict resolution,、uh-huh. raising children, those sorts of things. And in fact, that is the problem because what often happens in a marriage is two people adopt an intonation that sticks. In the example I'm thinking of, the husband was actually the one talking up to the wife, and the wife was talking down to the husband.、Mm-hmm. And this would happen irrespective of situation. So let's say I'm at their house. This would become very uncomfortable for me hearing her talk down to him, him talk up to her, her talk down, and it almost didn't matter what subject they were on. It's so painfully obvious to me. Invariably, she ends up acting like he's stupid, and invariably he ends up acting like, well, it just doesn't matter what I say, I'm wrong.、Mm-hmm. You know, he becomes measly and she becomes mean. What was fascinating to me was then when either party would turn to me because I speak in a respect intonation, I would get a respect intonation. It's almost like I was part of their. I'll go ahead and say control drama. <laughs> that might be the wrong word for it, but in their drama with that individual, they would talk this way, and in their drama with me, they would talk this way. And like I say, drama is almost the wrong word, but in their mindset,、mm-hmm. maybe that's a better way to put it. In their mindset, I always talk down to this person, and this person I always talk this way to. It was also really uncomfortable, a to witness it. And B, then be that voice of respect, kind of in a way, saying to the female, "Do you hear how you're talking to him? Because I'm not talking to him like that." What's funny is she never would、mm-hmm. notice, and he didn't notice either that I'm speaking to him in respect and he's speaking to me in respect. Better communication is happening from my part to both parties. Than from either of them to either of them, they've been married years and years and years, and so it's no wonder they can't see it. This is their norm. Yeah, well, I think this is a this is something they've learned their whole lives. I mean, I'm imagining the wife in that story has had her mother speak down to her, and that was the way you were actually controlling the situation and making sure that her mother would make sure she was. You cannot do that. Do not do this. Now you need to understand, right? That very derogatory—not derogatory, but definitely speaking down to.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, he probably grew up trying to please his mother, saying, "Okay, mom. Okay, okay." You know. And、mm-hmm. uh, I just imagine these are very habitualized patterns. That if you're aware of it, if you almost have a mediator, like you're talking about, or a way of recording yourself and say, "Listen, I want to just freeze this frame." Let's replay it. Let's actually take a look at what's going on. What does it reflect about the way you're thinking and feeling to speak to someone in that kind of speaking down intonation? I think that would be a really helpful exercise. I think it'd be a great parenting tool too to say you have this teenage son who's learning how to kind of exercise his own strength, his own independence, his own new ideas, his own feelings of immortality, and just like he can do anything. And he hears this speaking down to him. All his friends speak. Equal to him, he's suddenly feeling unwelcome at home. Not so much because of anything else, other than he's feeling this dynamic、mm-hmm. isn't fair. It isn't right. You're treating me like a child, even if nothing that was said was any different that was ever said before. He's now saying that's not the place I want to be in, and that's kind of the start of the divide. And the parents are like, I don't ever, I don't know what even happened. I, we loved our son so much, and one day he just, and I'm pretty sure that comes from this one day, whether he was conscious of it or not. He said, "I don't 
feel like I need to answer to you. I don't need to speak up to you anymore. And had they transitioned more purposefully earlier on to go from kind of adult, where you actually are probably speaking down to Mm -hmm. a child, saying, Mm -hmm. hey, you need to know this and don't cross the street when it's dangerous, to you're making decisions, let's think this through, what would you say is the best idea? And that immediately changes what you're saying is that intonation and the message profoundly changes, even if what you said was kind of the same, you brought in that respect. And when he starts talking down to his parents, the psychology makes them talk up to him. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's natural. Psychologically, we do this. Somebody's talking down to us. We then start speaking up to them. And then they adopt completely new patterns hmm. of talking to one another, which is how the parents turn into these stupid parents. You know, the teenagers, they treat their parents like they're dumb. Well, the parents don't realize they're enforcing that. By continuing to speak up to the child once the child has, mm. has said, I'm in charge. Right. I mean, and they're basically, you know, enforcing their own independence and strength. Well, another really interesting application is I work with a company called Wingate Wilderness Therapy and we work with troubled teens and we take them to the wilderness and they don't come home or out of the field, what we call the field um, for 10 weeks. And one of the things we try to do the entire time is get on equal footing. I think there is. There is a really interesting opportunity to take this to how do we build rapport? We have a concept in the field of what's called cheap rapport, where you're kind of just doing whatever the child wants to get their respect. And I just realized probably what a good indicator of that is your intonation. Are you speaking up to these children the whole time to try and win their affection rather than speaking level with them, trying to get them from down or up and really pulling that together? So from an interpersonal teaching kind of metric or indicator if it's going well or a relationship building metric or a a metric of how is the culture going where you don't have one group speaking down to another group and and these kinds of different cliques fighting with each other. Probably a really helpful thing in the therapeutic mental health world to bring into different practices, you know, therapeutic boarding schools, traditional public schools, charter schools, therapeutic settings like wilderness therapy, how are we speaking with each other and what does that provoke? There's a great little um, parable. I don't know if it's a parable, but uh, a thing that I would teach. My mother taught it to me when I was young and I've read it a few other places, but it's this idea that the sun and the wind had a contest to see who was the strongest. The sun and the wind? Yep. The sun and the wind had a contest. And so the wind looks down and says, I'm going to prove to you that I am stronger than you because I will be able to rip that little boy's poncho off of his back so fast you will have no way of, you know, replicating what I did. And it will prove that I'm stronger. So the wind comes barreling down, almost rips the little boy's poncho straight off of his back. But almost is the key word. He started regaining it and started pulling it back down. And the harder the wind blew, the tighter he brought his little poncho. And this wind says, well, okay, let's just pick something else. I'm going to qu-. And he was about to change the subject and show how he could blow leaves and things. And the sun said, no, no, actually... I think I'd like to take a turn with this. So he looked down and he said, watch this. And he starts warming up and it gets warmer and it gets warmer. And as it gets warmer, the little boy's poncho continually just starts to loosen until on his own initiative, he takes the poncho off of his back and lays it on the rock next to him. I think that's a really great concept of speaking down, speaking up, respect. Um, and that's just honoring someone's innate resistance to being controlled or being talked down to and feeling lesser than you. And sometimes they'll resist it to hide by speaking up to you back, being like, okay, 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 I just want to solve things. I I hate confrontation. 
And sometimes they'll be like, I don't think so. And let's go at it. Either way, like you've said, the communication is no longer about what you're trying to say. It's now a dynamic of how to find your footing and how to find your respect in the conversation, which means every word you're saying now is beside the point. It's, if we're going to talk, I want to feel respect. And so now it's a jousting match of how you can kind of maneuver your way around. Where had, if you've been aware, if you'd been conscious of, I want to invite this person's poncho to loosen and to drop and, and to have a real conversation. I won't be like the wind, whether I'm speaking down or speaking up. I'll be more like the sun, which just is inviting a respectful way of helping each other kind of open up and Perfect communicate analogy. better. One of the things that I say when I explain this to people is respect intonation is actually where the power is. And by power, I don't mean one person having force over another. I mean power as in what can actually get accomplished. And here's my example. When somebody comes in very harsh, talking down, talking down, if I come in at respect, chances are they are going to hear themselves Mm. because I am at respect. Mm. And they then hear that they are speaking in a way they don't want to be speaking. And so there I am being the example, and none of this is conscious, but there I am being the, oh, oh yes. But in general interactions out in the world, you know, grocery store, restaurant, coffee shop, you know, people aren't consciously going, oh, well, look at me. I'm talking down to this person and they are talking to me in respect. I should talk in respect. You know, that isn't the thought process. So for me to stay in respect, they then hear themselves and then come to respect. So that's why I say power. Mm-hmm. Because speaking in a respect intonation allows the situation to be seen far better than if I were to come in and go, oh, really? You can't talk to me like that, whether it's those words or or the intonation that right. says it's just that. just the intonation that's yeah. saying that, right. It's so powerful. And if somebody wants to stay talking down while you're speaking in respect... If anybody can hear them, they are only making themselves look bad. Chances are they're hearing it themselves, but if they aren't, anyone else in the room is. So you staying in respect keeps you in a respectful, I'll say classy situation where you're the one not losing your cool or you're the one not using harsh words. If they want to stay there, all they do is make themselves look bad. I don't know that many people want to look bad. Again, people fall into respect intonation. And then once both parties are there, the person who started the respect intonation is then able to communicate, this is a non-threatening situation. I call it disarming, that the person with respect intonation is disarming the person who's uncomfortable, whether it's up or down that they're speaking, either way, they're uncomfortable for some reason. And so for them to fall into respect intonation, because they're given respect intonation, both parties can be comfortable. I, I like it a lot. I, I have a scenario where um, there's a court case with a company that I'm involved with, and I'm going into a deposition, and their strategy is to throw mud and and like basically discredit people in every way they can. They want to do this for two, three, four, six hours at a time with all the different people. 
it makes people very anxious because they feel like they're in trouble because they're getting spoken down to mm. in a way that says, I'm going to talk to you as if I don't believe a word you're saying. And pretty soon you try and fix that scenario by speaking up, by apologizing, by admitting to things, just trying to solve that disrespect. So I think as a strategy, I'm going to take this conversation and say, I'm going to have written in front of me respect intonation. I'm going to just be like, see this for what it actually is. And when you talk about your power, you talk about your ability, all of us have the ability to role play, you know, in front of the mirror, in the shower, and we're just talking to ourselves in this really pristine, smooth, clear-headed way. But then as someone, as soon as someone brings in that different dynamic, it rocks our equilibrium, our equanimity, right? Equanimity is to have even-mindedness, especially under times of stress or relation. So I lose my equanimity when someone either speaks up to me because I'm too excited that I've won the debate if it's in a deposition scenario, or they speak down to me and I'm like, oh, I have to be defensive and battle and fight and get very aggressive. But I'm going to try this out, actually. <laughs> I'm going to do it in about two weeks. I'm going to say, look, I'm going to have six hours of someone grilling me on the opposite side who has a weak case, and I'm annoyed by how weak their case is, and all they're trying to do now is throw mud on everyone they're talking to. Like, you're an idiot, and you're a fool, and you've got no credibility, and it really rocks people. So I'm going to actually have kind of a, a team dialogue where I'm going to say, guys, let's just not buy into the disrespect. Let's not buy into the weaker or stronger positions. Let's just simply speak to them. Be very conscious of every response we have that is simply in line with this idea where I'm going to be able to speak to you in a very clear-headed, very calm, very respectful way. You speak to me disrespectfully, and I will just speak to you with equanimity, with an intonation that is just seeing you as a person, seeing you as a whole truth in front of me, speaking as if you were a child or a teenager or a 20-year-old or the opposing attorney. I'm just going to speak to you in the same way that you deserve, whether you're being mean to me or not. I think every single person you speak to deserves the exact same response from me because I don't think it's fair to speak up to someone because they have to react differently. And I don't think it's fair to speak down to somebody. I think what's fair and right and invites the right response, like you said, 90% of the time or definitely more often than not, is to see them in a way, speak to them in a way, and to be conscious of the way I'm communicating my ideas. Because sometimes my own internal emotions will get communicated as if I'm talking down to someone. Like I'll just be like, you know, wrapped up in my own thoughts. And if I'm not conscious of that, they'll, they'll take off and get away from me. So... Yeah, because they aren't hearing your thoughts. They're hearing your intonation. Correct. And that, I mean, I just like this. This is a very good skill. This is a very good method. Um, if, if you're working really hard to be a more honest person, have more integrity, be truthful, this is a way of skillfully keeping there. I love the phrase, uh, locks keep honest people honest. Like, good intonation keeps honest communication honest. You know, uh -huh. it's like it locks uh -huh. it into this framework where it's not out of control and communicating what you didn't want in the first place. So I have an example that I like to give to people when you have someone who refuses to stop speaking down and even being rude. I had a customer who I didn't have what she wanted. And when I explained that what she wanted was seasonal, she even took that further and was like, well, isn't it the season? And I said, well, actually, we don't have any control. And I tried to, in respect intonation, explain the situation. I was failing to pull her into respect. And 
she just ended up being entirely rude. And I ended up feeling like I failed with my intonation. And so I thought a lot about that afterwards and said, what could I possibly have said that might have made a difference? Because it didn't actually matter what I said. I didn't make a difference. She wasn't able to hear herself. And that's really the goal. When people are talking down, the goal is for them to hear how they're speaking, except that I'm respecting myself and I'm respecting them and and they're welcome to come into Respect Intonation where we can communicate nice and clear and accurate. So what I ended up deciding, and I have yet to use this, but I have it in my shirt pocket ready to pull out if I ever need it, so to speak. And that is to say, bear with me just one moment. I'm going to find somebody willing to serve you. And say that entirely in respect while using words that let her know it looks like we failed. I failed and I'm no longer willing to be treated this way. Let me find somebody who is willing to serve you. I realize this is the harsh answer, but like I say, there is easily 5% of the time that you're going to fail because of people. (laughs) And so maybe using words that tell them what's happening without using intonation that matches it. Bear with me while I find somebody willing to serve you. Sure. I mean, I think the biggest thing I was getting out of your story is even if I cannot turn them around, if I don't compromise my own, I guess, internal integrity and speak down or up to them, I've probably won the situation, right? I've probably on the upper hand already because I didn't speak down or speak up. I didn't try and, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. You know, like you just kind of don't have either one of those things. You're still looking them straight in the eye. You're still feeling like they're a human being, seeing their struggle, understanding that they're just, this might just be their pattern. This might be their life. They might just have had a a death in the family. We don't know what the scenario is. And that's not of our business, really. It's just, they're coming, like you said, most likely unconsciously coming in and venting and just seeing you as a punching bag or a vehicle for a for some other purpose. So I think if you can see that for what it is, see it coming at you, see it, understand the kind of jujitsu of communication, (laughs) feel Uh the punch coming, you're like, okay, (laughs) I'll move out of the way and I'll smile again. I do like to use the word classy just because it's so universally understood. And you and I have had other conversations about feeling we said or did something that was very not classy. And that happens too. So it's not like mastering intonation and understanding intonation means you aren't also sometimes going to fail. Sometimes you're just not classy. And external factors, internal factors, there's there's plenty of things that sometimes weigh heavier and you don't succeed. But if you can regularly remember that at respect intonation, you're going to get the goods the majority of the time, whatever the goods are, the good communication, the calming them down, the bringing them to listening. It doesn't matter whether it's up or down. If you can stay in respect, therein lies the best route to success. I like it. I've also learned something personal myself, and that is if I try to change something in myself, for an outcome. In other words, I'm trying to change myself so someone will like me better. That change was never authentic. It was never aligned. It was never truthful. And which means I'm always going to go back. Even though I, in the moment, might have thought I figured something out, I'll invariably go circle back, circle back, 
circle back until at some point there has been an actual change. And what I like about this very external gauge on where I am internally uh, about intonation is I can see that if I'm trying to pretend to have respect, I will probably be speaking down or I will probably be speaking up. So there's something about my deepest self that when I can feel the alignment, the power you're talking about, I think comes when my heart, my emotions, my mind, the truth that I'm seeing about the other person all hit at once. And I think the invitation in that moment for respect to be invited and, you know, invited back is probably the most powerful because I think you could probably trick yourself into thinking you have a respect intonation. And if you recorded it, I'm guessing you'd be like, no, I didn't. Yeah. I'm listening to myself. That's not respect. And they picked it up almost nanosecond after it came out of my mouth that you're trying to manipulate me. And I don't like it because I, I, you know, I've had compliments that I could tell people did not mean. I could tell that they were insincere. Right. And there was something just a little bit off about their intonation. There's just something a little bit wrong with what came out of their mouth. And as a result, I immediately responded negatively like that wind, like the little boy just, my poncho went around. I got defensive. I was feeling offended. I'm like, I don't know what you're up to, but I'm super suspicious and I don't like it. So I think deeper than a behavioral awareness, I think this is the probably one of the better external indicators of the quality of my heart or the quality of my way with the world, like my the level of peace in my heart or anxiety or whatever, that if I can speak with respect and that's my natural place to be and I can gauge it and I can watch it, I can feel it inside, I can listen to my voice, I can be aware of how I'm talking to somebody else and how I'm inviting either positive or negative things from them. Just a really powerful tool in my opinion. I just noticed something and that is on your shirt, you have human.kind mm-hmm. and then a parenthesis, be both. On my wrist, I have be kind. Facing you, seeing kindness and knowing full well I have it on my body as well. Something occurred to me while you were just saying that. And that is, it almost doesn't matter what I think of a person. If I speak to them in respect and tenation, I'm doing what I profess we should do, which is be kind. Now, let's say I'm serving somebody in a capacity like they're a customer. And if I know that that customer is rude or unkind or whatever, and I speak in respect and tenation, I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm not doing the opposite of what I have tattooed on my wrist, which is to be kind. You still, (laughs) you could think whatever you want in your head to follow through with doing what many of us actually see as kind of a karmic law to be kind. Speaking in respect and tenation is what you should be doing, irrespective of what you possibly know of that person or how they're going to respond. You're still doing what you believe you should be doing. Hmm. Well, I think, no, I, I don't disagree with the integrity component. I do think it's going to be tricky. I'm just thinking of myself now. When I'm really annoyed with someone and I'm trying not to be annoyed with them, I try my very best, but it's like those unconscious little muscles on your face uh-huh. when you're really thinking something. You know, I'm a photographer and I, I shoot um, portrait photography quite often and I really don't like the canned shots that look fake because it doesn't look like the real person. Why that's the case, at least this is my theory of why it's the case, is that people, when they are thinking something, little muscles that they're totally 
unaware of are triggered and move. And I think the same thing's probably with our voice and our body language and everything else. And so entirely one of the things I have to do with whoever I'm taking a photo shoot with is to make sure that they start thinking about something other than the photo shoot. They start thinking about their life. They start thinking about their love. They start thinking about their humor and their boyfriend or their girlfriend or something that just immediately brings them to their happiest, most selfless place where they're not aware of them looking a certain way and all of a sudden their their smile is real and all of a sudden everything they're talking about is real. So I think if I were to take this little theory you've introduced me to today to another of other areas, you can have a uh, intonation in the way you knock on a door. It can be a thud, 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 like you're in trouble or a little higher, like just a happier pitch thing. There's an intonation to that. There's an intonation to the way I smile. There's an intonation to my body language and you can try and mimic it, but there's all these millions of little billions, even of little cells that are going to respond to how I genuinely am. And I think the internal integrity you're talking about is if I want to be kind, I need to see the other person as worthy of being kind and worthy of respect. And if I see that, I think my intonation is naturally flowing on. Anyway, I think this is going to be a fascinating thing. What I want to do, this little concept you've just given me is really try it out. I want to see, and I'd invite anyone who's listening to this to try it out. Say, okay, think of the last argument you got in with somebody started with some little trigger that ticked you off. And it's probably more the intonation than it had anything to do, which means it's probably the subtle messages in the face and the subtle change in the voice and the subtle distance and the just kind of almost contracted chest feeling and throat feeling you have when you're upset with somebody. <laughs> I'm betting I could have avoided just what were apocalyptic and catastrophic arguments in the last three, four weeks of my life. Had I just been aware, I'm being triggered by the way someone is speaking to me. And my responsibility in that isn't to blame them for speaking that way to me. My responsibility is, how do I respond with kindness? How do I respond with my internal integrity? How do I invite this conversation to land in the realm of respect rather than an above or a below dynamic? Because I think it's going to be pretty revealing when I think about it. Because it already is, actually. That's why I'm saying this. I'm like, oh, gee whiz. I see it so clearly. This is something I have practiced for a very long time. So when I introduce this concept to people and we have a conversation, I'm very aware that it's hard. Now, I am happy to admit it's not hard for me very often because I practiced it practiced it, practiced it. And I do it all the time in the social jobs that I have. And so in dealing with people on a regular basis, I get to practice it hundreds of times an hour sometimes. And so I love it when people are like, wow, this is going to be difficult. Wow. I really need to pay attention to this because it's like opening a new door that you didn't know was there. What are you going to find? How are you going to cope with what you find behind that door? That door's open for me. I already know what is on the other side of that door. So it excites me that this door is being open for you as well. Well, and I just want to encourage you again, put this thing in a framework that's succinct and clear and kind of based on principle after principle. And, and I think this can be something that lots of people genuinely benefit from in the human services area of life. Well, and as I said to you earlier, this is something I would really like to teach. So 
especially with your encouragement, I am going to do that. Anything mm. that has to do with when someone needs to feel safe with you. Someone needs to feel like I can trust you, I can open up, and I can actually be genuine. Rather than if you're talking down to me, I'm defensive. If you're talking up to me, I'm defensive, wondering what you're after. Like, what do you, what do you want from me? You know, because someone comes knocking on you, go, hi, how are you doing? You know, and you immediately go, I don't trust your intentions. Whether you're talking down to me or whether you're talking up to me, I'm immediately off my, I'm just put off. That's the word. I'm put mm -hmm. off. I don't like it. I don't trust you. I immediately want to s sort out that dissonance and I want to bring into the, you know, the resonance side of things, just like a music harmony metaphor there. You just reminded me that honesty tends to beget respect intonation. And so when somebody is being dishonest, it is not the natural thing to fall mm. in respect. Mm. And so therein lies the, I'm not feeling quite right part of hearing somebody say something. And if you think about it now that you've heard this, you might be like, oh, you're talking up to me. You're not talking to me in respect. Mm -hmm. I know that honesty lives at respect. Mm -hmm. So you're not being entirely honest right now. And then, you know, I actually have a lot to say about honesty because honesty doesn't necessarily mean lying or being truthful. True. O honesty is bigger than yeah, lies and, and truth. Yeah, I really agree with so that. So it's feeling the honesty, feeling the trust, and those do come through respect and tenation as well. Hmm. Well, it has been fascinating speaking with you today. I've liked it very much. Thank you. This has been awesome. I'm going to come back and report on my thoughts and my uh, experiences. Please do. <laughs> It'll, it'll be called Nat Chats with Jacob on the follow-up. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Where did this take us? Yes. Thanks so much. <laughs>